All right. Uh, so this is the generic. Uh, I'm sorry, the generic uh, trigger warning uh, for uh, certain of my appellate uh, corpus juris podcasts where I talk about procedure. Uh, and chances are, if I put this uh, trigger warning in the episode, it's because I'm talking about um, a particular state that um, is peculiar, right? So. Uh, let me backtrack, right? So, uh, from Houston, Texas, born and raised, it's pronounced H-E-B, not Heb. Uh, Waterburger is great. Uh, Bleed Orange, Go Horns, Giga Maggie's. Um, I know that, that, that that's, that, that's I, I just I just perjured myself because I said Giga Maggie's and Go Horns. But uh, you, you, you get the general idea, right? Uh, Card-carrying Democrat. And I think the last time that it snowed here... Uh, in Texas, when I was here, uh, it was when I was ten, and it snowed once, right? And it was like a combination between like snow and sleet, right? Uh, went to college out in California. Uh, I think the last time it snowed on the campus there was 1962, right? So, uh, 22 years of continuous uh, uh, sun, so to speak, right? So it's 70 degrees in the winter time, uh, sunny and 75, as they say. And if you're like me and you like warm weather, uh, and uh, you're a card-carrying Democrat, then uh, you're uh, hot spots. You're basically looking at a uh, California, uh, New Mexico, or Hawaii, right? That's where you're at home. And then we have a bunch of other states, right, that are uh, in between on the spectrum, right? So a bunch of states, great up north, uh, folks wouldn't vote for a Republican to save their lives. Uh, but it's cold. It's cold. Uh, and you know, you know, you're in a bad spot uh, when it's uh, one degree outside, and you turn on. I'm sorry, you know, you're you're in a bad spot when you turn on the Jets game, and it's Jets three, Giants ten, but it's one degree outside, right? Uh, and then uh, you you go down south, right? Great weather, uh, great folks, great parties. The beaches are great, the sand is great, um, and what have you. Uh, but it, there are a bunch of Republicans from the top down. It, it's it's the solid South for a reason, right? Uh, and in Texas, uh, it's probably not going to change, right? They say it might change by 2040, but uh, most folks uh, get the gist right there. And there's been a general collective decision uh, that, uh, at least as far as the energy economy is concerned, that any environmental concerns will just be thrown thrown to the wayside. We're going to sacrifice the welfare of the beaches uh, to have a robust energy sector. Florida, not so much, right? Uh, which is the other big, you know, great state down south. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really frustrated when I think about Florida because, you know, the economy is essentially premised on tourism and agriculture, uh, and you know there, there's there's not much uh, to be said um, uh, for policies that in that entail high tariffs and you know uh, almost purposeful environmental uh, degradation, right? So why is Florida red, right? If, if the economy is premised on um, uh, the existence of low tariffs, so you can get your crop out to international markets and uh, you need the beaches uh, to be in good shape, and the result of all that is that you need good environmental protections. When well, why not just go blue? But that's my—that's me digressing. Why? Uh, why should you be interested in this peculiar state that I've set out uh, for you today? Whether it's Montana or Alaska or Arkansas or uh, some other uh, peculiar state. Well, a couple of reasons, right? Uh, reasons, right? So uh, it used to be. Uh, that uh, back in the day, you settled down in a state, maybe it was 1960 or 1980 or uh, pre-2000, whatever, and uh, you took the bar exam and you were admitted to that state, and maybe you were admitted uh, in the state uh, that was contiguous with it, or if you lived in the tri-state area, you were admitted in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, right? But uh, fortunately, the MBE has changed all that, right? So now you can take the bar exam and you can be admitted to 10, 20, 30, 40, uh, 40 states, upwards of 40 states, right? Uh, why is that significant uh, as it pertains to this? Well, 
Uh, some people would say that just by virtue of taking the MBE and being admitted to the state that I'm talking about in this in this uh, uh, seeing podcast, um, that you would be conspicuous, right? So uh, on a rank of one to ten, most folks are admitted to one state. Uh, two or three is on the high side, but 10, 20, 30, 40, that is not normal, right? That's like a 10,000 on a rank of one to ten. Uh, and you'd be conspicuous. And perhaps for that reason alone, uh, folks would be interested in... Uh, uh, the procedure as it relates to the state that I'm talking about now. An another reason uh, to be interested uh, in the podcast. Well, uh, let's say that you work for a firm, right? And I highly doubt that uh, most firms are going to turn around someone admitted to 10, 20, uh, 30, uh, much less 40 states, right? Or whether they could legally do it, regardless of whether or not you were a Caucasian male or African-American female or anyone in between, right? Um uh, so uh, it ups your firm out because now uh, firms, they get called to do peculiar things, right? So these Tony Law firms in New York and uh, D.C., right, they have a bunch of staff. And uh, sometimes they get called to do peculiar things in Alaska or Montana, right? And they have to get outside counsel to go to these states, right? Uh, and if you're admitted to that state, well, that's just one less person that they have to pay, right? So uh, good for the firm. And more than that. Uh, more than that, you can bring in any business that can be had from these states so you can uh, become a rainmaker of sorts, uh, so to speak. Uh, so uh, that, that's one reason. Another reason uh, is that uh, it allows you to remain, uh, at least uh, these bar members, this bar membership uh, scheme that I'm setting out, allows you to remain active in the appellate scene, even if you didn't clerk, right? So let's say that maybe you screwed up in your first year, or you took that third or fourth degree, took that BCL, took that uh, medical degree, uh, whatever it is, and the folks who you studied under said, well, we'll send you for these degrees, but uh, anything else that comes after that, uh, we can't guarantee it or we just won't send you, which is their right. They don't have to do it. Uh, this allows you to remain active on the appellate scene. So how do you do that? You just uh, pick two states uh, per week, right? So uh, maybe one week you're in Washington and Oregon, the next week you're in Louisiana and Texas, the next week you're in New York and, and Vermont. Uh, pick your states, it doesn't matter. And uh, you do two double-spaced, five-page appellate filings uh, per week, right? You do that in a year, you get 104 briefs. You do that in 10 years, you get a about 1,000. You do it over the course of 40 to 50 years, you get about uh, 4,000 to 5,000, right? And remember that uh, at most of these appellate boutiques, 300 filings is on the high side, right, for these partners, right? So you'd be a 26, 27, 28, 29, perhaps a 30-year-old with 100 filings, right? And that by itself, again, is very anomalous, right? So I was talking about... Um, uh, bar admission numbers, right? Uh, having a hundred appellate filings as a twenty-something-year-old, that itself is anomalous, right? That's a one thousand. That's a ten thousand on a scale of one to ten, right? Um, and don't tell me that somebody um, uh, with that many filings wouldn't be up for something, some sort of appellate gig or an SG position, maybe in a small state eventually, right? It might work in a small state. It's probably not going to work in a big state, uh, Texas, California, Florida, New York, etc., right? I mean, just you, just, you might you might need a clerk uh, to be noticed there, but uh, in a small state, it could probably work, right? It might. And uh, yet another reason uh, to be interested in this uh, little scheme I'm laying out here. Uh, well, why would you care about admission uh, to Kansas, right? Well, um, admission to the state uh, in a, a federal circuit court, right, automatically uh, is going to give you uh, admission uh, to the appellate courts, right? Uh, so you're admitted in Kansas, and now uh, you can get uh, access to admission to the 10th Circuit, and now uh, you can do these amicus filings that I'm talking about, not only in Kansas state courts, but you can go to uh, these uh, appellate courts, right? And if you can, it'll intervene if they'll take you. Uh, so it's, it's, a great, it's a great deal. And, you know, I needed like an eight-minute trigger warning to set this out, but uh, chances are that uh, if I've attached this uh, warning to the uh, podcast, it's because of the state I'm talking about is either uh, chock full of uh, 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 proud 
uh, uh, Trump supporters, or um, uh, it's because it's cold, or uh, in a worst case scenario, it's cold and people are out in the cold because they want to attend the Trump rally, right? And that, that, that's just like the worst of both worlds. So that's why I need this trigger warning. Uh, 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 and uh, now for the actual episode. This episode of uh, Corpus Juris will continue with our focus on Idaho appellate procedure. And here, this is the second episode in a two-episode series on discretionary appeals because it takes um, quite a bit of time to get through uh, this topic, uh, regardless of state, right? Uh, so, uh, where was I? Uh, Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 12.1 uh, sets out um, a peculiar set of procedures for discretionary appeals involving child custody cases. Uh, more specifically, uh, counsel can request the magistrate court to permit a permissive appeal to the state Supreme Court when the child's best interest uh, uh, counsel for that option uh, and the magistrate court has entered a final judgment in a Child Protective Act proceeding, a child custody case, or a final judgment in a few other family law cases. Uh, the appeal notice must be filed within 14 days of the date provided by the court's clerk uh, a stamp on the appealed final judgment or order. Once the motion is filed, the magistrate court has 14 days to rule on the filing. The filing of this motion stays the time period for appealing the matter to the uh, district court. If an appeal notice is filed in the district court before the discretionary review petition is filed, the magistrate court retains jurisdiction to rule on the motion. If the request for discretionary review is granted, counsel has 14 days to physically file her or his appeal notice with the state Supreme Court clerk. Cross-appeal notices are due seven days from the appeal notice filing date. On the other hand, if the magistrate court denies the discretionary review appeal request, counsel can file a discretionary appeal notice with the Idaho Supreme Court within 14 days of the denial date. A copy of the appealed interlocutory order or judgment should be attached to the motion along with the lower court or agency opinion uh, on the original motion. A litigant can pursue this second option if the lower court or agency takes more than 21 days to dispose of a permissive appeal motion. The official court file is the record on appeal uh, for these family law cases. The appellant is responsible for paying for the transcript here. Uh, the briefing schedule is expedited a bit as the appellant's brief is due 21 days from the filing of the clerk's record and transcript, and the respondent and cross-appellant briefs are to be combined, and they are due 21 days after service of the appellant's brief, right? So I say expedited. Well, expedited relative to what? Uh, expedited relative to the regular briefing procedure in Idaho. That's going to be covered uh, in a uh, separate podcast. Uh, the reply and cross-respondent briefs uh, must also be combined and are due uh, 14 days from the date the respondent's brief is served. However, if there is no cross-appellant's brief to be included in this merged filing, then the reply brief must be filed within seven days of service of the respondent's brief. If oral argument is requested, uh, it will typically be held within 120 days from the date stamped on the Notice of Appeal when it was received by the Idaho Supreme Court. Rehearing petitions in these cases must be accompanied by a brief supporting the petition. And of course, where do I get all this? We'll take a look at Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 12.2, uh, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare against Doe, that's 158 Idaho, cases 764, case from 2015. 
you take a look at NRA Doe, that's going to be 157 Idaho cases, 765 case from 2014. You take a look at NRA adoption of a Doe, that's going to be 156 Idaho cases, 345 case from 2014. Uh, you can take a look at uh, uh, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare against Doe, that's going to be 154 Idaho cases, 175 uh, case from 2013. Uh, you could take a look at Idaho Department of Health and Welfare against Doe again. That's 150 Idaho cases, uh, 563 case from 2011. Uh, uh, and I say Doe. I, I I don't think it's the same defendant in all these cases. I think it might be just might just be a, a pseudonym or something. Or, or yeah, I'm sorry, an alias, an alias. Yeah. Uh, the Idaho, You could take a look at Idaho Department of Health and Welfare against Doe again. That's 149 Idaho cases, 59 case from the Court of Appeals this time for 2010. Uh, you could take a look at N. Ray Sterling. Uh, Mining Co. Uh, that's going to be uh, 415 uh, uh, from the bankruptcy case, uh, set cases, uh, 762 case from uh, the Idaho uh, Federal Bankruptcy Court. I think it's a, a case from 2009. And yeah, that's it. Uh, where was I? Uh, counsel should note that the mere fact that she or he uh, filed the discretionary review petition does not stay the action or proceeding or the enforcement of the interlocutory judgment, order, or decree. Uh, if the permissive appeal motion is granted, though, the lower court or agency or the Idaho Supreme Court can grant a stay. Indeed, if the Idaho Supreme Court grants the motion, uh, the proceedings but not enforcement of any judgments or orders are stayed automatically until the appeal is finished. And that concludes uh, this episode uh, of Corpus Juris, which focused on discretionary appeals uh, in the Idaho appellate courts.